Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first ever Journal of Investigative Medicine podcast. My name is Dr. Zori Gonzalez, GI motility trainee at Texas Tech University in El Paso, Texas. And I am joined today by the new editor-in-chief for the Journal of Investigative Medicine, Dr. Richard McCallum. Thank you very much, Dr. Gonzalez. It's a pleasure to be here, and um, I look forward to talking about Jim in the future and um, opportunities our audience will have to publish and learn about this exciting journal. We are both at Texas Tech University today in El Paso, Texas, and uh, Dr. McCallum is a world-renowned gastroenterologist and professor of medicine at Texas Tech University in El Paso, Texas. He is also the founding chair of the Department of Internal Medicine and also serves as a director of the Center for Neurogastroenterology and GI Motility. And um, his area of clinical interest and research is in the field of GI motility, neurogastroenterology, and functional bowel disorders. Dr. McCallum, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Pleasure, Dr. Gonzalez. I hope uh, our listeners will enjoy this um, podcast and uh, it will be the beginning of other podcasts where we will interview uh, other investigators around the country. Today's topic will be on personal perspectives on the microbiome field of gastroenterology. It will be about 15 minutes long. Now, the Southern Regional Meeting is coming up February 13th through 15th in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I know one of your GI fellows, Dr. Majd Michael, will be presenting an abstract on the microbiome and the small intestine. I think this will be interesting since most of the microbiome talk is regarding the large intestine, but we can discuss this more at the end. Why don't we start by asking, what is the gastrointestinal microbiome? Well, I think to be brief on this subject, it is a vast colony of organisms, trillions, um, probably involving over a over a thousand species of bacteria that we live with symbiotically in our colon and small bowel. Uh, these organisms are thought to have a meaningful role in our lives. Uh, they probably have an important role in protecting our gut uh, from invasion, uh, from disruption of the lining of our gut called the mucosal barrier or the tight junctions, may have a role in absorption and in supporting nutrition, uh, particularly perhaps in vitamins and essential nutrients, may be guardians uh, in some ways of our GI tract, which it, all of us have a unique collection or if you like, relationship with our, sim with our microbiota. Um, there may be different concentrations or different ratios in each of us over time from the different experiences we have. 
from antibiotics to travel to illnesses, but they are uniquely our own microbiota. And many people feel that if you could do stool sampling of one's microbiota, uh, that almost would be as good as an ID um, of your pupil or your thumbprint, uh, that this is a unique representation of the trillions of bugs that you are housing and living with. It sounds like they form a, uh, an important uh, but complex ecosystem um, in, in our gut. Um, I know there are many things that can cause disruption of the intestinal microbiota. Um, and when that happens, uh, this can be called dysbiosis. And uh, I know this has been associated with uh, other diseases like irritable bowel syndrome. Um, what can you tell us about the consequences of disrupting the intestinal microbiota homeostasis? Well, certainly the first preface I would make is this is work in progress. But as our listeners will have read by now or know by now, there is this very interesting treatment called fecal transplant. Uh, where in patients who have taken certain antibiotics, the microflora, microbiota, have been disturbed to a point that a dominant species evolves called Clostridium difficile, leading to extensive diarrhea, colitis, and in some cases, a mortality rate, restoring the microbiota by using stool, uh, stool from... Um, people who may not be related, stool from donors, can reconstitute the microbiota and restore health. So that extreme lesson reminds us that perhaps less dramatic activities such as gastroenteritis, uh, perhaps illnesses related to general diarrhea events from traveling or taking uh, medications may disturb our gut enough that we could experience some systemic change in feelings, perhaps from nausea to bloating uh, to abdominal discomfort. Other people have tried to expand this even more to the point that your gut microbiota could have connections to the brain-gut axis, where depression, anxiety, unexplained mood changes, could they reflect dysbiosis or change in your flora? Others have even hypothesized that patients with obesity vary dramatically from patients who are anorexic and that certain flora may promote obesity, perhaps those flora could be explanted uh, and replaced to help patients who are anorexic and vice versa. So fair to say that right now microbiota is an extremely hot topic. We're trying to separate, I guess, the, the real future of it or its real meaning 
from over extrapolating and blaming more or less everything on disturbed microbiota. It's very interesting, Dr. McCallum. Now, we only have about a minute or two left on our podcast, and I would like to take this time to ask about personal thoughts. Now, the abstract you and GI fellow Dr. Michael will be presenting at the Southern Regional Meeting next month focuses on the microbiome and the duodenum. Usually, the microbiome refers to colonization of microorganisms in the large intestine, yet your abstract focuses on the small intestine. Can you give us a brief synopsis on why your research focuses on microbiota in the small intestine? Um, can you perhaps give us some highlights of that abstract? Certainly, Dr. Gonzalez. Well, obviously, the colon has been the dominant uh, target. But we wonder whether the 20 feet of bowel, which constitute the small bowel, um, could have its own intrinsic microorganisms, not as in, in great depth or as in great um, concentration as the colon, but many entities of the upper gut, particularly the condition called non-ulcer dyspepsia, where there's unexplained bloating, gas, discomfort, pain, possibly stress-related as well. We don't have a really defining pathophysiology. It's an entity in flux. And obviously, uh, we thought this was a, an opportunity to look at a new area. Could microbiota or dys dysbiosis of the upper gut be linked to the area of dysbiosis? Could we actually treat these symptoms with antibiotics rather than acid-blocking drugs or drugs that change mood uh, status or medication to relax muscle, things that we tend to do? So the highlight is that we have been able to show in a small number of patients, 36 patients, um, that there is a signal that there are increased microbiota in the upper gut, particularly the duodenum, of patients that we'd call non-ulcer dyspepsia, unexplained bloating, gas, pain, indigestion. And this sort of sets the stage for the possibility of, well, number one, doing more patients and making sure we do have some meaningful data. But two, could something like an antibiotic uh, be proposed as a new treatment in this area? Um, so early days, but suffice to say, the upper gut has its own intrinsic microbiota and it could be disturbed and changed and could reflect in upper gut symptoms that seem to be elusive and not easily defined. Well, thank you, Dr. McCallum. I am sure we'll be hearing more about this topic. And that is all the time we have. We hope you enjoyed our talk uh, on this interesting and highly evolving field. Um, the topic, um, the field of the microbiome in um, gastroenterology. And with that, uh, we will say goodbye. Again, thanks, Dr. Gonzalez, for our listeners. They can certainly join us at the Southern Medical Society meeting in New Orleans from the 13th to the 15th and hear this and other abstracts presented.
And uh, of course, uh, copies of the abstracts are published in Jim, Journal of Investigative Medicine, that will be in the February uh, issue uh, for our listeners who want to document and read about some of these areas. Again, um, thank you very much for this opportunity and we look forward to further Jim podcasts with investigators doing interesting work uh, in the US, US and for that matter in other countries. Uh, thank you again.